believers. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. This is a great day. We're one day closer to the coming of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. We are at peace. For God is on our side. Hallelujah. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles today to Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38. This is Peter speaking to the Gentile church. We're going to begin talking about the Holy Ghost today. I know many of us have been filled with the Holy Ghost for 30, 40, 50 years, but I think that sometimes we forget him. I hear all over the United States when we're going places that churches are not wanting the power of the Holy Ghost. They want ordered religion. They want no spontaneity, no freedom, no movement of the Holy Ghost. They're afraid it will scare people away. Well, let them all run. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We are people of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. In Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, with the Holy Ghost. With the Holy Ghost and with power or authority, who went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, for God being with him is found in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, really is the Spirit of Christ. He is known as many things, but wherever the Holy Ghost is, God is. Amen. Wherever the Holy Ghost is, Jesus is. Yep. And so we need to understand that we divide them to teach, but we need to be very careful that we don't segment them so much that we reject or dishonor one part of the Trinity or the deity. Amen? Amen? Now, we see here that God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now, if God anoints Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, there evidently was a reason that he would need it. Amen? Amen. Now, Jesus was born of the Spirit, we know, in Luke 1, 30 down through 36, how the Holy Ghost came upon Mary and what was born out of Mary was the Son of God. Now, we know that Jesus was born of the Spirit, but here it tells us that God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. So Jesus, being the Son of God, needed the Holy Ghost. So it would lead us by this scripture to really come to the realization that without the Holy Ghost, men and women would not be able to undo what the devil had done, not only in their own life, but in the lives of other people. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. If he would not have needed the Holy Ghost, then he wouldn't have gotten the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus comes into a world ruled by darkness, ruled by sin. Man is living under a curse. The Bible says in Romans, the third chapter, there is none that seeketh God, no, not one. There has been 430 years of silence from Malachi to Matthew. 
There has not been a peep from God. There has not been a voice from God until John the Baptist shows up on the riverside of Jordan and begins to proclaim that he is the one, the forerunner, that comes out of the wilderness to tell people that the Messiah is coming. There's been 430 years of silence. In that 430 years of silence, Israel has turned from serving God to even having sects called the Sadducees that didn't believe in God, didn't believe in the Holy Ghost, didn't believe in angels, and didn't even believe in a resurrection. They were religious people. And think that, don't think that we don't have them today. We have churches filled and pulpits filled with people that don't believe in the virgin birth, don't believe in a resurrection. They're just humanistic proclaimers of hope and success and principles that really never lead to life. And, and I'm telling you, lots of churches are filled with that. And so they preach a faith that has nothing to do with Jesus. They preach a faith that can be used in principle or in theory only. I watched a, a group of preachers on a... What's that guy? Dr. Zeus. Is that his name? Dr. Uh, what's that guy you watch? No, the other one. Yeah, Dr. Oz, yeah. Yeah, this is, boo, this is Dr. Oz. And, uh, you know, the Messiah of hope. <clears throat> Everybody, so they had the preachers on. So Dr. Oz is asking the preachers, tell us how you can live life. You know, so he's preaching about how to be a well one moment. Then he's preaching vitamins the next moment. Then he brings in the kingdom. You can't have life and health without Jesus, right? right. So, so here he comes. He brings in Jesus. He gathers all these men, and they all start talking. Twenty minutes later, I told Phyllis, they haven't mentioned Jesus one time. Didn't even mention him. Didn't talk about him. Dr. Oz, or is it? Yeah, Dr. Oz, the wizard. Didn't even mention Jesus. Didn't mention Jesus at all. But they're promoting life without Jesus. They're preaching theory. They're preaching principle. They're preaching a belief that does not center itself on a resurrected Christ. This is happening everywhere. So Jesus comes into the midst of that, and he comes into a dark world, but God prepares him because, remember, he understands that the world is filled with wolves, and he's filled with devils, and he comes by God, and he has to have the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come on, somebody say, hallelujah. hallelujah. So we got to realize that a believer, being a believer is great, but we're going to be limited without the power of, of God without his presence without his help in our life amen. Jesus needed the Holy Ghost we need the Holy Ghost amen let's go to Matthew the uh, I think it's the third chapter about verse 16 or 17 Jesus is coming to the river Jordan John's going to baptize him and it says and when Jesus was baptized in water. Now, Jesus is already the Son of God. He's been born of the Spirit. So we understand that Jesus didn't get the Holy Ghost when he was born of the Holy Ghost. Or he wouldn't need it again. And it says, Jesus, when he was baptized in water, went up straightway out of the water. 
And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he, John, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Next verse. And then Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, Jesus was the Son of God, but he was given or filled with the Holy Ghost. Why would he be filled with something if he already had it? Why would he be filled with something he didn't need? Listen, if God showed us that, the, that Jesus, his Son, needed the Holy Ghost, you and I need the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen? Jesus said in John, the 16th chapter, it's expedient that I go away. In other words, I must go. If I do not go, the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, will not come. And if he doesn't come, he won't be able to show you things to come. He won't be able to bring things back to your remembrance. He won't be able to guide you and to help you. So I have to go. See, the Holy Ghost comes because we need a helper. We need an enablement and an empowerment to live in this world and to live a successful life. Amen. Amen. Too much of Christianity is a humanistic attempt to live for God. Now, why I say that is this. Too many Christians think that if they just got more disciplined, had more self-control, if they could quit sinning, that it'd be okay. Listen, you don't have the power to quit sinning. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost, the one that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8.13, that when he comes into our life, he mortifies the deeds of our flesh. But if we're just going to try to counsel people, try to take them through addiction centers, try to get them disciplined, try to give them inner strength to cope with life's problems and life's sins, listen, we are preaching a gospel without power, a gospel without hope, a gospel that will not bring a God-desired end. Could I get an amen? We hear it all the time, you know, just get a hold of yourself. Quit doing that. Quit do- Listen, Christianity is not a bunch of do's and don'ts that you are supposed to fill. It is a life that is dedicated to Jesus Christ, directed by the Holy Ghost. Therefore, you don't do those things. But doing those things cannot be listed and then put into your hands by your self-diligence and you to produce a life accepted of God. Could I get an amen? Listen, Christianity is not just a self-improved life that God accepts because you didn't do this, 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 this. It is a Christ-centered life, Holy Ghost-empowered life that brings us to a God-desired end. Come on, shout hallelujah. Now, Jesus said it's expedient that it goes away so that the Holy Ghost could come. Now, if he said it's expedient that he would go so that the Holy Ghost may come, how many of you know that the Holy Ghost has something to do that Jesus in his person could not do? Amen. Amen. Is that right? Yes. Absolutely. 
And so we need to find out who the Holy Ghost is. Oh, yeah. And I know, oh, well, I know who the Holy Ghost is. Yeah, I know. I know. You know him like you know me. I had a lady, I, I'm, she may still be here, and I'm hoping she is. She came up to me one Sunday. She said, you know, I've been coming here for years. I said, well, great. I was shaking her hand. She said, are you the pastor? <laughs> I'm thinking, move closer. Hallelujah. I don't know. One time I went in an old folks' home. I said, I'm Pastor Lewis. The lady said, no, you aren't. I said, yes, I am. She said, you are not. I see him on TV. He's tall. I said, that is a camera trick. Don't believe it. I had to give her my ID. The woman wouldn't let me visit people. What is wrong? Who could forget a face like this? Hallelujah. I mean, I'm trying, but you can't do it. Now, let's go to John 14, 15. We're going to read from 15 to 17. And we're going to start the figuring out and discovering the Holy Ghost. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, that is a very important statement going into Jesus introducing the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is given to those that obey him. And in, that's in John 5, 32 down through 38. And I'm sorry, Acts 5, 32 through 38. When we start disobeying God, what we do is we start short-circuiting the Holy Ghost influence upon our life. So when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, he is setting us up to say, you need to live holy for the Comforter to come. Amen. Remember, his name is Holy Ghost. Not compromising ghost, not lukewarm ghost, it's Holy Ghost. Could again, amen. Holy Ghost, hallelujah. All right, next verse. And it says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth. Now, please, watch these phrases very carefully. Whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. And then Jesus says, but the believer knows him, for he dwelleth with you, meaning you are seeing him, or have seen him in me, and shall be in you. We have to know him and see him in order for him to have full control of a dwelling place. So I want to look at who he is today for a few moments. And it says, Jesus said, I'm going to give you another comforter. In other words, we are to relate to Jesus, the Holy Ghost, just like Jesus related to the disciples. Amen. We are to talk to him. We are to converse with him. We are to unveil to him our needs so that he can teach us and instruct us. He is now going to become the providing hand of God in our life. When we have needs, we go to him as the disciples went to Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. The word comforter means this. It means to assist someone or to defend them with help to escape a destructive plan. Now, how many would you would like to have the Holy Ghost, Amen. the Comforter, help you or to assist you 
to escape the plans of the devil. I would. Absolutely, I would. So, he is a counselor or defender. He's kind of like a secretary of defense. When you look in the dictionary, I couldn't even find the definition of secretary of defense. It's not in there. We have one in the government, don't we? It's not in the dictionary. It doesn't tell you what it is. I don't know. He might be a tomato picker. I, I don't know. But in the Holy Ghost, it means that he is a counselor that counsels you in the area of defense. In other words, when he shows you things to come, he knows what the enemy has in store for you or in front of you waiting around the corner. When Jesus told the disciples, as Dr. Obalu said today, let's go to the other side. The lake was calm. Jesus wasn't looking for a problem. He was doing what God told him to do. Let's go to the other side. This storm rose up. And this storm threatened their life. The Bible says, and the boat was full. In the Greek, it means it was level with the ocean. And I'm sure that they're bailing. They're trying to do everything that they can do to get out of it. But sometimes man just comes to the end of himself. And there are things that the devil throws at us that you and I are not prepared to deal with. Even in all of our education and our ingenuity, we just can't handle it. But the problem is, like the disciples, we try until it's the worst case scenario, then we turn to God. Amen. They could have woke Jesus up at the first time the wave broke over the bow of the boat. That's what they should have done instead of losing everything. But, like most Christians, we're going to do it on ourselves. We got this. When the devil attacks, you're never going to have it. Because without God on our side, without the power of the Holy Ghost, we are no match for the devil. Amen. And so... They wake Jesus up. Remember, I'm giving you another comforter. You're supposed to relate to the Holy Ghost like you relate to me. How many of us in our storms, Holy Ghost, I need you to resolve this problem. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 10, 28, that when they deliver you up into problems or because of persecutions and all that, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll tell you what to say. And it won't be you that speaks, but it'll be the spirit of your father that speaks in you. Now, when Jesus speaks, we say, oh, man, Jesus spoke. Well, he did. But he also said, I do nothing or say anything except I hear or see my father do it. So the Holy Ghost is telling Jesus what to do. And he says just one word. Peace, be still. Now, he could have said, waves, stop it. Boat, rise up. But he didn't. He had to hear what the Holy Ghost said. See, the Holy Ghost wants to deliver us from things. And he will reverse great problems. You remember when Peter cut off that guy's ear, Marcus? What did Jesus do? He put the ear back on and healed him. Or Peter could have been brought before court. But because the evidence was undone, hidden, resolved, he could not be charged. But if the Holy Ghost had not intervened and healed that man's ear through Jesus, he would have been indicted on a a charge against one of the hierarchies of the Jewish nation. But 
God intervene. Have you ever reached out and hurt somebody because you were mad, you were confused, and you thought, oh man, what's going to happen? But some way the Holy Ghost will move in, he'll heal the situation, he'll help the situation, and he'll turn the situation around so that you can go on without having offense against your life. Come on, the Holy Ghost will do that. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he is the counselor in the place of our defense. He is also there to assist us when we run out of everything. We run out of everything. Who told Peter to go fish and take up the first fish and find the coin and pay our taxes? Jesus did. Jesus did. Who told him what to say? The Holy Ghost. Who told him where to direct Peter to get money? The Holy Ghost. Absolutely the Holy Ghost. How many of you have had needs and you would hear a voice direct you and God would meet a need? Absolutely. Some of them are extremes, but some of them are just commonplace. I remember Phyllis and I used to have a miracle box. It had Florida on it. It was about that big, remember? And we didn't have, we were just broke. And uh, so every time we need money to go to church, we'd go to that, we call it a little miracle box. It was a money box. The only dumb thing about Phyllis and I, we gave that box away. And we could have just kept taking money out of it all the time. The Holy Ghost didn't know how much gas we had in that car. We could have just <laughs> pretended we could have made millions of dollars and we could be rich today. But no, you had to give the box away. So, but every time we went to that, we could find a dollar. That's when gas was 22 cents a gallon. You know, so that's like four gallons of gas and a pop. So <laughs> some of these people don't even remember those days, Steve. You remember those days? Yeah, hallelujah. I, yeah, boy, praise God. Hasten those days to come back. Now, and we would find that out. And that was a miracle for us, wasn't it? It was a miracle. We found $5 one time. For gas, hallelujah. So, but God meets our needs. When you're at the end of yourself, God will do something. Then there is a real unique meaning of the Holy Ghost. When he assists, it means that he comes down and lays right beside the fallen. If you look that up in the Greek and the lexicon, it means that when someone is fallen at their worst state, helpless, without strength, the Holy Ghost comes in and lays down. What he does is he becomes Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter. If one is alone, he is cold. If he falls, he can't get up. We are never alone because the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of us. So what he does is he doesn't observe our failure. He sees our failure and he lays down beside it. You remember when Jesus went to Jericho Road, the priest didn't do anything, the Levite didn't do anything, but Jesus comes in and lays down beside the man, picks him up, puts him up on his donkey, and takes him to a place of refuge. That's what the Holy Ghost does to you and I when he finds us weak and broken. He doesn't just leave us there. He is our sister. He is our helper. He lays down with us. His strength becomes our strength. His warmth becomes our warmth. His encouragement becomes our encouragement. And though we were brought down to the place that it looked like we could not get up, guess what? We are raised up like Lazarus. The stone is rolled away and we are freed and we are alive again. That is the work of the spirit of life of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we as believers need to use 
the Holy Ghost. Could I get an amen? amen. And there is things that when we come to the end of ourselves, like Jairus, he come to Jesus. Jesus isn't here, but we can go and we can ask the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, I need an answer to this situation. Death has overtaken it. The outcome is inevitable. It cannot be reversed. But Holy Ghost, give me what to say. Tell me what to do. And the Holy Ghost will give us direction. Come on, give us direction. And he will help us. But if we don't ask him, guess what? Nothing's going to happen. What we have to do, somebody say we have to see him in Christ. Then we have to know him. That word know means to understand him and be aware of him. It means to shake somebody that's been asleep and the man shakes his head and becomes aware of his surroundings. It's like when we become aware of the Holy Ghost, we become aware of a world that we have not known. When you're asleep, you're not aware of anything. Have, ever had somebody put shaving cream on your hand, tickle your nose? Have you ever done that, Dr. Oberlew? Why haven't you done that to him, Roy? You will. Okay. No, those are just simple tricks to get back to, at people. But why do people do that? They're living in another world. They aren't even aware of what's going on. Amen? And so the Holy Ghost awakes us. We are to understand or awaken to the Holy Ghost. Because without him, folks, we are just Christians trying to reach an end that we are never going to reach. We need the Holy Ghost. Come on, we need the Holy Ghost. And so to know him, somebody say, become aware. And then when we see him, when we know him, when we become aware of him, understand how he works. Become intimate so that he shows you how he moves in your life. And he moves in everybody's life differently. Steve, you dream dreams. Not every night. You dream dreams. Yeah. Now, who gives dreams? God. God. He used you in dreams. You dream? Oh, yeah. Okay, you dream too. Okay. Now, both of you dream. That's how God uses you. And in those dreams are words of knowledge. In those dreams are prophetic things for people. In those dreams are warnings and all that kind of stuff. That's how God speaks to you. You are understanding how he deals with you. So that brings you to a place that you are going to give him greater access. You understand that this is how God works with me. I used to have a, uh, had a guy in and, and he says, uh, you know, God never speaks to me, but if I want to know what to preach, I go to sleep. And he says, I'll sleep and God will give me my message and preach it to me. Then I get up and I go preach it. He says, he gives me the illustrations and everything. I thought, man, that's a cheap shot. I get nothing. And, and, and this guy just goes to sleep. Like, what is that all about? And uh, so, but that's how God dealt with him. Joe, do you dream? No, you don't dream at all. Huh? You dream, David? Okay, you dream some. All right. A lot or some. Have you had dreams that really helped you? Give me one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I had... Some people, a brother who I had a dream about him, and it allowed me to witness Christ to him deep in his life. He was one through some things. 
I didn't know about. So God revealed things to you about your brother so you were able to witness to him about Christ. So that's God dealing with him. But God deals with us all differently. But the thing that we have to do is we have to see him. When we see people, we come, become acquainted with him. So when we see the Holy Ghost in Jesus, in the lives of the prophets, in the lives of kings and priests, in the lives of other believers in the scripture, in the lives of the prophets and the apostles in the scriptures, when we see him, guess what? We are preparing a place for him to broaden his access in our life. And then when we become aware or know how he works with us, how he works with us. Now, see, when we have miracles, certain miracles, if I haven't been spending enough time with God, certain miracles won't happen. I just, it's just the truth. And when they don't happen, I say, uh-oh. That's kind of like God saying, you know what, I'm being merciful to you. You're drifting away. I've been too busy doing kingdom things instead of knowing God. And so what happens is that anointing is not activated. Now you say, well, that's crazy. No, it's a sign and a wonder, and it's a leading of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost leads us, and so it's a leading. Now, that's, I understand that's how he deals with me, and I'm grateful for that so that I don't get so far out that I don't know that he's left. Amen. And we can all get that busy. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so the Holy Ghost, we have to see him in the lives of the prophets, the kings, the priests, in the lives of Jesus, the apostles, and so forth, and other people in the Bible. When we see him, we become familiar with him. And then when we begin to understand him, and then Jesus says this, and he shall dwell in you. Now, does anybody know what the word dwell means? Take ownership. Right. But dwelling means take ownership. If you dwell in a house, you take ownership. If you dwell in a tent, the tent is yours. If you dwell in a house, the house is yours. So when we see the Holy Ghost in the scriptures, that's why it's so important that we don't just read scriptures. Every miracle has a hand of the Holy Ghost in it. Everything that Jesus did had a hand of the Holy Ghost in it. The things that the prophets did had a hand of the Holy Ghost in it. Look for the Holy Ghost in there, and when you do, you'll see him. And when you see him, you are enlarging his place in your life. Then when you begin to understand how he uses you, how he uses you, once you understand or become awakened to how he uses you, then you create a larger place for him to dwell, and he comes in and takes ownership. Now we can be led of the Holy Ghost. Now we can do the works that Jesus did. But if we just have him dwelling in a confined area because we don't know him, we don't understand him, or we have done things that are offensive to him, he is very limited to his taking ownership of our life. Amen. But if we want him to take ownership, then we have to look into the scriptures. Somebody say, look into the scriptures. And so as we do, then we will see how God functions. Could it get an amen? Now, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 14. Let's go there. I'm sorry, it's 2 Corinthians 13, 14. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Paul tells us 
In this scripture, he says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. The communion of the Holy Ghost. That means fellowship. David, we are to have some type of relationship with the Holy Ghost besides speaking in tongues every once in a while. Amen. Amen. Who is he? What does he do? And if he does it in someone else's life, he'll do it in my life. Amen. Let's be awakened. Let's see who he is so that he can come in and take real ownership of our life. Amen. Wow, what a church that would be on the face of the earth if God owned everybody. Not just dwelled in them, but had ownership of them. Wow, that would be a wonderful deal. Now, it means to fellowship, which simply means that we experience or build relationship or fellowship with people by two ways. By use and by ex experimenting. If you never use, allow God to use you or reach out or at least be led of God or say, well, you know what, I believe God told me to do this. You're never going to find out how he works with you Amen. or you're never going to understand how he moves you or leads you or guides you. Amen. Do you know this woman? <clears throat> mm. How did you get into relationship with her? Communicated with her. Communicated with her. You used that relationship and you experimented with that relationship. Yes, I took my wife one time to Western Sizzler in Lima. Yes. I thought it was a great restaurant. I liked the food. I took her there on an anniversary. She said, if you ever bring me back to a place that has vinyl table covers, cow covers, you know what? We ain't having the next anniversary. Now, I, through experience, I understand she's not a cow girl. I understand it. She doesn't like that kind of... So I'm not taking her back there. So that's how we do with the Holy Ghost. Are you going to be perfect? No. Are you going to miss the Holy Ghost? Probably a million miles. Like today, I found out one way I'm not going to do the service again. That's okay. But if I hadn't tried it, I wouldn't know. Amen. Right? right. Phyllis said, well, you should ask me. I thought... I thought Okay, Holy Ghost, you know, like second or third generation down. No. You know what? So I decided, well, you know, that, that wasn't God. So now I'll ask somebody else, how should we do it? So that's the way you do it. You build relationship and communicate with people by using what you know about them and experimenting in other ways with them. If not, if you're waiting to be perfect, you're never going to make it. And you're never going to be used of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Right? Amen. So we have to experiment and use what we have so that we can deepen our relationship. Amen. Are you going to get married someday? Yes. Okay. You're going to experiment with your wife. You know. Now I'm going to give you a secret. Not all women like their ears kissed. I used to kiss Phyllis's ear and, and lick it. And about 20 years after we were married, she said, why do you do that? I said, well, I, I thought it was a, you know, a turn on. She said, it's not. You annoy me. I said, I wondered why everything went downhill. 
So now, but see, I learned. And now we have a deeper fellowship. I'm not an ear licker. Now we have a deeper fellowship. Maybe your wife likes it. I don't know. It, I guess it's preference. I, do, I have no idea. I thought I was being, you know, like a moor or whatever. You know, hallelujah. And uh, trying to act like Andre. Or, and uh, guess what? Andre is not welcome in our house. Hallelujah. So, uh, but what we do is we use it and we experiment. Allow the Holy Ghost when you ask him a question to direct you. If you ask the Holy Ghost questions, he's not going to give you a devil. You're not going to get it from yourself. So you miss it. Pick yourself up and do it again. You just found one way that it's not going to work. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Phyllis could have saved herself 20 years of annoyance if the first time she'd have said, stop licking my ear like a puppy. Then I'd have stopped. But she led me on. All right. Now, fellowship simply means that you and I, when we fellowship with the Holy Ghost, He will increase His activity through us. Amen. You know, the Holy Ghost, David, wants to use us in a supernatural way. Amen. He wants to use us in ways that we do not know. But if we never, ever attempt to do it, you know what's going to happen, Kevin? Nothing. Amen. Nothing. People say, well, well, how do you be used of the Holy Ghost? Just step out. Whatever comes to your mind, do it. I miss it a lot of times, but that don't stop me. I just keep right on going. Absolutely. And so you try. The way of a righteous man is you fall seven times, you get up, you gave the eight times. You just keep on going. Instruction are a way of life. Amen? So you're going to prove what's not right. So just start doing it. So you can get to know the Holy Ghost. Find out if he likes his ear licked or not. Amen? Okay. So, and when we do, the Holy Ghost will increase in our life. In fact, when we do, he will give us portions of himself. The Bible says in Acts 2, 41 through 44, as they fellowshiped one with another, ultimately they came to the place that everybody had everything common. The Holy Ghost will give you portions of himself. He'll become more familiar of you, and he'll allow you to share in his abilities when we fellowship with him. So let's fellowship with the Holy Ghost. Could I get an amen? Now, the reason that Paul or encourages us to do that is so that we can be an overcoming church. Amen. He's leaving. We need to be an overcoming church. Amen? All right. Now, when the Holy Ghost comes into us, he enables us to be greater than anything that comes against us. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 1 through 4, that we are not to believe every spirit. How can we know the difference between spirits? We have to see the Holy Ghost, understand the Holy Ghost, awaken to the Holy Ghost, and fellowship with the Holy Ghost so that we know the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen? Sure. One, one time I uh, had a problem with a guy, and, and it wasn't a big problem. He just wouldn't pay attention. So, I, I, so I, I said, you know, look, we need to talk. So immediately, he started talking in tongues. I don't know if he wanted me to interpret or not, but I did <laughs> interpret. And I said this, 
If you don't quit talking in tongues and talk to me, I'm going to presume that that's a devil and I'm going to cast it out. Or if that's not the case, I'm going to presume you're just trying to imitate the Holy Ghost and I'm going to cast you out. Immediately he went, oh, hi, Pastor. I said, hi, Pastor, my foot. But now see, that wasn't God. Wasn't God at all. Tried to disrupt the service. It wasn't God at all. Because the Holy Ghost is a Holy Ghost of peace and unity. He's a Holy Ghost of order. Amen? Amen. And so, I talked to him. He said, well, you're quenching the Spirit. I said, well, the Spirit you got needs to be quenched. (laughs) Yes. It's the truth. How are we going to know different spirits unless we do know the right spirit? You, you see, we just walk around like it's, I don't know, funny land or something. And we just, well, you know, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And we run into people and spirits that are just totally ludicrous. I think uh, uh, we have a couple in the church say they went to another church. And in one service, they had 12 prophecies. 12 prophecies. Gemini. That's a sermon. But the church thought it was normal. There was a church that a a lady went in. uh, I I know him personally. And the pastor said, we knew God led them there because that day we had six prophecies. I thought, what is wrong with it? Now, what kind of spirit is that? That's not the spirit of order. But most people would think that that was spiritual. Come on, somebody. I know, I know I'm preaching simple. I'm preaching simple enough that you get to understand this. And so I'm trying to get you to realize that we have to see the Holy Ghost in the life of Jesus, the prophets, the kings, the priests, the apostles, and other believers in the Scripture. We have to see him in their life. When we see him there, we begin to embrace him. He's unveiling himself to us. And then we need to be awakened. Be aware of a world of spiritual activity. And then we need to understand how he uses us. How he uses us. And as we do, then he begins to take ownership, Bill. But we have to know him. Too many people don't know who the Holy Ghost is. Amen? I went to a church one time and two guys got in an argument. And they were arguing in tongues. I was a young Christian. They were like two pews in front of me. And I'm thinking, I don't think that's right. Now, if it was me now, I were a hurdle those two pews. And spanked them like their mama should have. Because it's wrong. It's wrong. But they use that. Trying to get it, and they're they're holding each other's arms, going. I thought, what these these guys are idiots, and I wasn't even filled with the Holy Ghost, and I knew I don't want that ghost. Now that that was a wrong ghost, but most Christians wouldn't think anything about that. So we have to know the Holy Ghost. Listen, I'm telling you that if we will learn the Holy Ghost, He will come into us. If we understand how he works, he will come into us. Amen? Amen. So, how many of you ever seen the Holy Ghost fall on somebody and they get slain in the spirit? 
You know, I have Christians in our church say, Pastor, what was that? See, they don't know the Holy Ghost. So we have to learn about the Holy Ghost. Sure. If we want him to have ownership of us, David, we have to know the Holy Ghost. Could I get an amen? So I'm talking to you very simple, but I still want you to get it. And you're learning something. Hallelujah. Now, the believer is to know him and to be aware of him and understand how he works with us as individual. And when we do, then we will understand him and be free to submit to him, yield to him, and allow him to own us. Praise God. Amen? All right. Now, when we said that we, now, not every spirit is of God, we have to try the spirits. Because every spirit that comes into the world that doesn't acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of the Antichrist. Is of the Antichrist. Somebody say the Antichrist. All right. So we then can start judging people that say, well, I don't believe this or I don't believe that. If it's in the scripture, we understand that's a spirit of Antichrist. And then it says, but we don't have to worry about it because greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Now, I'm telling you that we are born for confrontation against demonic powers, spirits, and false religion. Amen. Amen. We are equipped for that. Praise God. So we have to live like it. Now, let's go to Matthew 3.11. Let's look at some of the symbolisms or typologies. It doesn't mean that the Holy Ghost is what we're looking at. It means that he is a symbol of that. It reflects something about him. And in this, it says this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, or because of repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with Somebody say fire. 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 Hallelujah. Now, fire is simply a symbolism of the work of the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost comes into our life and baptizes us into the body of Christ, he then sanctifies or purifies us so that we can be consecrated unto God. Now, when he sanctifies us and purifies us, then as we are set aside from God, then you and I have to rely on him to make sure that we stay pure. That we stay pure. You know, the Holy, the Holy Ghost will protect us, Steve, in our thoughts. You know, the Bible says that Peter said, I preach to stir up your pure mind. And the reason that it says that is because a thought will get into your mind. And then what it does, it stays in your mind. Then it'll repeat itself. And then it'll repeat itself again. And pretty soon, that thought has free reign in our life. Now, our pure mind has been defiled. Now, what's going to follow that is the manifestation of the thought in some way. Then when we let it happen one time, the second time, it'll happen the third time, pretty soon, that thought has turned in to an acceptable way of life. Got to be careful. You got to do, don't entertain stuff in your mind. If it's not God, pull it down, get rid of it. Amen. It's one thought, but it'll start defiling your pure mind. Amen. But if you repent, ask the Holy Ghost to help you, He will sanctify your mind afresh. 
he will renew a right spirit in you. And so the fire of God doesn't just do it one time. It does it multiple times. Also, fire is a sign of judgment. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Anybody remember that story? Yeah, all right. So it is a sign of judgment. But to the believer, it's a sign of right judgment. To the unbeliever, it's a sign of a wrathful judgment. In other words, when the pillar of fire separated Israel after they came out of Egypt, in Exodus, the 14th chapter, it says that there was a pillar of fire by night. And what it did was this. On this side, it judged the wicked. But on the other side, it had judged them righteous. Righteous. So when fire comes, it is a judgment against wickedness, but is also a declaration of the judgment for the righteous. One time a guy come to our office, you'll remember this. He sat us down and said, I got a word for you. And uh, he, he, he didn't like us anyway. So I said, okay, go ahead. Uh, but that's okay. And he said, God's going to bring judgment. I jumped up and started dancing. He said, no, no, you didn't hear me. God's going to bring judgment. I just kept on dancing. He said, did you hear me? God's going to bring judgment. I said, thank God. God has judged me faithful. Increase is about to break forth. He thought God was going to bring bad judgment. I hadn't done anything. So when he said, God's going to bring judgment, I thought, oh, <laughs> hallelujah, I'm going to be blessed. Hallelujah, I'm going to increase. He couldn't comprehend that judgment was good and it's evil. So I just danced. And I increased. And he didn't. So when somebody says, oh, judgment's going to come, what? No. Fire is a sign of judgment, Joe. But it judges the righteous and it judges the unrighteous. So what does that mean? That means that the Holy Ghost, folks, will purify our lives. There are things in our lives that we cannot get out. But if we will allow the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you one of the scariest things. Go to bed at night and say, God, show me what you think of me. Show me what I really am, God. Oh, Jesus. You wake up and say, oh, God, am I saved? He said, yeah, you're saved, but you got a lot of work to do. And he'll show you your faults if you want to see them. And then you ask the Holy Ghost to start cleansing them. And the Holy Ghost will burn them from the roots up, not just from the surface. And so he will sanctify us and he will judge us. But that fire also protects us. Somebody say, he's a fire. He's a fire. Hallelujah. So when you read in the scripture about fires, we understand that the Holy Ghost. Let's go to John 3, 5 through 8. This is Jesus' first encounter with a Pharisee that is asking him questions about his miraculous life and verifying that he understands that he is a servant of God. Jesus answered him, talking Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. 
The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goes. So everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now we see that the Spirit or the Holy Ghost, the new birth, is symbolized or has the typology to it of the wind coming. In other words, you can't see it, but you get to see the effects of it. Now, that wind simply tells us that the Holy Ghost does invisible things when we are not aware that He's even working in our life. Could I get an amen? Never worry if the Holy Ghost is working or not. He's like the wind. And He'll move things. And He's always, it might be uh, quick, it might be sudden, it might be easy. But the Holy Ghost is like a wind. And just let the wind blow in your life, and ultimately, it will come to pass. Amen. Amen? And so he's like the wind. Somebody say, like the wind. Like the wind. He refreshes us. He encourages us. He speaks to us in his still, small voice. Yes. That wind is what we want. We want it to blow into our life. So he is symbolized by a wind. And the other is, in James, the fifth chapter, verse 14 through 16, he is symbolized by oil. Somebody say oil. Oil is a symbolic sign of the Holy Ghost. It is symbolic of his anointing. When Jesus said that the Spirit of God hath anointed me, it was symbolic of an oil that is applied to somebody, a rubbing oil that keeps its odor, that may be absorbed in the skin, and even though it's not visible, it's still upon and in the individual. So oil is a symbolic. So we have wind, we have fire, we have oil. He's also symbolic of water. We find that in John 7, 37 through 39. Jesus spoke about the Holy Ghost, that when he comes out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Waters refresh, water cleanse, water washes, and so water purifies. So he's also those things. He washes us, he cleanses us, he refreshes us. And there are multiple other things. But you and I are going to start looking at the Scripture and finding, seeing him in Jesus' life, the prophet's life, the king's life, the priest's life, the apostle's life, so that we can know him. Amen. So that we can know him. You know, when I first, I guess it's been 14 to 15 years ago, when I first, when Jesus appeared to me, when I took 18 months to pray and fast with my prayer partner, Calvin Schneider, which is went to be with the Lord. We would meet like every morning at 5.30 in the morning. He would pray till like 7 or 7.30, and then he would go to work, and I would pray till 10.30, 11 o'clock. I'd meet with my staff, and then I'd be off the rest of the day, and I'd go home, and I'd put miracle tapes in. I'd just watch miracle tapes all day long. Go to sleep, watch miracle tapes. Go to bed, watch miracle tapes. And I started seeing how the Holy Ghost worked with people. I started seeing how God moved up on people. I could see and hear the Holy Ghost come up on Brother Shambach. I could hear his voice change. He just changed. I could see Alan Branham. I could see Oral Roberts, how God transformed them when the Holy Ghost come up on them. And I just watched, and I watched. And every time I saw, I'd stop the DVD and I'd say God Holy Ghost I see how you're using men 
use me in the same way. And I did that, and I did that, and I started learning how the Holy Ghost dealt with men, and I started learning how he would deal with me. And when he come, and Jesus came through the wall after those 18 months and spoke to me, he set me in the realm of the miraculous. Now, anybody can go there. You just have to see, to know, to be aware, and understand the Holy Ghost. Now, Gloria France, she doesn't talk much. Well, she does all the time, but, I mean, she doesn't say, God said, but if she calls you and says, Pastor, God said something to me, I believe it. Kind of like my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law would have a dream when she called, I'd say, oh, Jesus. Because I knew what was going to happen. She was going to rake me over the coals, and she was going to, she just knew stuff that the Holy Ghost would show her. And I thought, God, why do you do that? And, uh, but glory's like that when she calls. Pastor, I've been praying. I think, oh, oh, watch out. But she's going to tell you what God's going to do, and you can take it to the bank. That's how God uses her. But God uses all of us differently. Amen. Let you and I today discover how the Holy Ghost uses us. Amen. Simple. I know that this is baby entry level. Good. That's just what we need. We need to go back and learn about the Holy Ghost. Some of us have thought that we knew so much that we have quit examining, learning, and looking for him. But we want him to dwell in us. We want him to have ownership of us. We want him to speak through us. We want him to speak for God. We want to speak by God. We want to be God's vessels. Amen? Remember Paul said, when you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Jesus said, the works I do, I don't do. The Father does them through me. Don't we want to do what God did through Jesus, through us? I do. And I know you do too. And so let's allow the Holy Ghost to start using us. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands up towards heaven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus. Oh, we thank you, God, that you've given us the Holy Ghost. That God, for your children, if we ask the Father, the Holy Ghost, that he would give us nothing but the Holy Ghost. God, we ask that you open our eyes. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know the hope of our calling, we might see the greatness of the power of the Holy Ghost that was demonstrated when he raised Christ from the dead. Holy Ghost, unveil yourself to us. Show us how you have used us over the years. Show us how you're using us today. Unveil our eyes and awaken us that we might be aware of you. How you are waiting to come our storms. How you are waiting to take us to a place of abundance. How you are waiting to turn things around that seem like have been dead with no hope. How you are waiting to lead us and to guide us. How you are waiting to sanctify us, to cleanse us. How you are waiting to refresh us. How you are waiting to breathe in us new life. How you are waiting to spring up places of fresh water 
and fresh oil that you anoint our heads that we will have a cup that runs over Holy Ghost unveil yourself to us touch us and make us hungry shake us and awaken us that we will be wall-to-wall Holy Ghost people that Jesus can be glorified every day in every way let us be the testimonial people of Jesus Christ hallelujah 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 Jesus hallelujah 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 Ashley can you sing that song that you sang about that wonderful name of Jesus hallelujah now with every head bowed was she singing that hallelujah if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior the Holy Ghost is drawing you the Bible says nobody could come into the Father except the Holy Ghost draws him now the Holy Ghost is tugging on your heart you feel it you know it you know this is the hour and you know that this is your time he's brought you to this moment this is your day if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior if you're here today and you are a backslider you want to reorder your steps by coming back to Christ I want you to just stand to your feet right now wherever you are now raise your hand stand to your feet there's one Come on, someone else, wherever you are, there's two, wherever you are, this is your hour right now. The Holy Ghost is tugging you. The Holy Ghost is tugging you. All right, if you're standing, please come down here and let me pray with you. The Holy Ghost is tugging you. The Holy Ghost is tugging you wherever you are. Hallelujah wherever you are hallelujah congratulations young man congratulations young man hallelujah come hallelujah hallelujah anyone else hallelujah nobody can come unto God except Jesus draws him come right in here guys come right on in hallelujah now everybody in the church pray this with me along with these people say Heavenly Father I come to you now and I by faith confess that Jesus is alive I believe he shed his blood for my sins I believe he has been raised from the dead and I now confess him Lord of my life come into my heart Jesus I receive you now you're Lord of my life I denounce every hidden work of darkness and I thank you for my salvation I am born again I'm saved I'm a child of God in Jesus name amen and amen praise God hallelujah I want you to know this we accept that God has dissolved 
your past, that you're a brand new Christian, amen, a new believer. Would you go with Jim? He, Jim, you got a book? Yes. Got a book? Hallelujah. All right. Somebody give Jesus a round of applause. A soul's been saved. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing that, Ashley. Hallelujah. Stand your feet and join me as we sing this song. Oh, blessed Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The and say, I am a Christian. I declare Jesus is Lord of my life. That means I live by his boundaries. I live by his rights and wrongs. He is Lord of my life. I do not live like the world. I live like a Christian. I am born again. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Hallelujah. Now, Ashley, we're going to sing that again, and we're going to... I, I don't know how, how people do it. I'm just telling you how I used to do it. And, 
and how I do to it. I just take time and I just say, God, refresh me. Fill me again. Visit me. And God will do it. God comes and he just touches you. And you, maybe your prayer language will change. Maybe the Spirit of God will just fall upon you like it did uh, Saul. It fell upon him and he become a new man. You know, the Holy Ghost is here. It's said that the world can't receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But then Jesus said that he's here and you see him because he dwells with you. But then the Holy Ghost will come up on you for a task, but he will fill you is his ultimate goal. So he wants to dwell in us. And if you just need a refreshing, listen, the day is young. You're just going to go home and work. You might as well just take time and say, God, refresh me. Amen? You can do it at your pew or you can do it at the altar. But don't leave until you just know I'm as full of God as I can get. We used to call them sanctifying services. We used to come and just say, God, I found this in my life. I want to lay it on the altar. And we would lay at that altar until we disconnected ourselves till the Holy Ghost comes, till we felt that we had poured our heart out and that God had, as it were, burned, that God had washed it away, and that God had renewed us. It might take sometimes I would be there and everybody would be gone. I'd be there at 1 o'clock in the morning. They locked the church up and it'd be black. But I was there, and God would visit me, and God would help me. Just don't accept status quo. Push forward. There's so much more. Seek Him and you will find.